You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. I have nothing to talk about. <laughs> there really isn't much to talk about. Well, you know, I figure we should at least get together and bemoan that there's nothing to talk about. Because that's the kind of planning we do. <laughs> well, you know, actually, we do have lots of news to talk about. We we can talk about how uh, 2020 is off to a great start for LSU because we, we started that's... with a football championship. And apparently now we're going to end up with men and women's track and field national champions and beach volleyball. So, oh well, yeah, we'll get into that because I don't. <laughs> yeah, okay. So yeah, so, um, yeah, I don't know. So yeah, we'll get we'll get straight to that because hey, welcome to the Sneaky Good Podcast. I'm Poser. We're bored. <laughs> Is everyone else trapped in their house? I've I've never been this bored in my entire life. <laughs> <laughs> that is the uh, one of the jokes going around on Twitter. Is this is where Gen X was really excelling because we're used to being bored. This is our wheelhouse, <laughs> sitting around, nothing to do, pre-internet. Yeah, that's the good times, man. It takes me back. You ever? I been- even bought. I bought an Xbox because I was like, this is going to be a while. And I have all these new video games, and I, I, I'm still bored out of my mind. Oh, see, that's this is why franchise mode was actually invented, because it can mm. take years of building teams. Yeah. <laughs> How bored are you, Jake? Um, sizably. <laughs> there you at, go. At, at, first, at, like, at first, I was like, man, I'm an introvert. I can do this. Then it got to, like, day three, and I was like, oh, wow. This is different. (laughs) And our producer, Chris, who has children, so how bored are you? (laughs) I'm not bored at all. Annoyed, maybe a better word, but... (laughs) That is right, because children... (laughs) There's always something. Oh, my God. Uh, Today, we finally had our first moment where we were just like, hey... We should probably feed them a vegetable. Because <laughs> 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 there's only so much processed food that the kids can have. And we're like, you know what? With the mac and cheese tonight, we're going to give them some broccoli. Or else we're going to be bad parents. <laughs> and just throw a couple of Flintstone vitamins at them. They'll be fine. Yeah. They were all out of Flintstones vitamins. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I kind of enjoyed grocery shopping this weekend. I went to the store, and it was weird what they were sold out of and what they weren't. Right. It it, it was kind of different from store to store. Um, well, except for toilet paper was gone everywhere. So if anybody has a couple extra rolls of toilet paper, please send them to my house. But, like, the my usual store, bread, tons of bread. Whatever kind of bread you want. Fancy, buns, <laughs> wheat. I think even then they they got Wonder Bread out of retirement and brought it back. On the flip side, no spaghetti sauce, just totally gone. <laughs> wow! Do they still make Flintstone vitamins? <laughs> I don't know. To be yeah, honest, do they? They have. Wow, they're ten million strong and growing. Come on. Let's go to Amazon and see. Yeah, yeah, I'm looking at it right now. I, this requires us to look it up. Flintstones vitamins, ten million strong and grow. Hey, yeah, they, still out there. They've got be versions now too. See, because it's like there's no the Flintstones cartoon. Um, I don't. What kids? What what 
person who would fit into the Flintstone vitamin age group knows who the Flintstones is. The people who buy them. <laughs> That's probably true. <laughs> Their parents. <laughs> who are these characters that I'm putting into my mouth, Mommy and Daddy? Yeah. Well, let me show you what that cartoon yeah, exactly. was like. That's what's weird about the streaming era. I feel that my kids don't really know who Bugs Bunny is. Oh, absolutely. And the I mean, original they know, Muppet Show, too. But I know they know that they're supposed to know, but... Oh, no, no, we took care of the Muppets. We, you know, Muppets we have, we have one point. We have all the movies on DVD. You know, um, they're now on my Plex. My kids were raised on Muppets. They know about that. But, like, Bugs, they just... Those Looney Tunes, they're not out there. They're not as, you know, in your face as all the, you know, the new stuff, of course. Yeah. But, like, even, like, Mickey Mouse has a, you know, pretty good presence. Like, in the Flintstones, is like, like, some stuff, like, stays around. Like, there's still Scooby-Doo. Yeah, yeah. The Flintstones has been gone for, like, 30 years. And never come back. You're right, because my kids know Scooby-Doo. Yeah, my niece and nephew know Scooby-Doo. I watch Scooby-Doo. They have not only watched the live-action movie, that's right, all of them, I think. I think there's, like, three. But they have also watched several incarnations of the cartoon. My kids love Scooby-Doo. Do you guys want to guess the uh, tomato meter percentage of the Flintstones 1994 live-action movie? Oh, my God, it was so bad. Um, <laughs> Uh, are we talking audience? Are we talking critics? We're talking the combined uh, I score. Get, I, get, I have both. They're about the same. Actually, they're within two percentage points of each other. Okay. Oh wow! I'm going to preface it with this: This is a movie so bad that it's the Flintstones, and I remember that the costume director was against fur <laughs> and was protesting the use of fur. So all of none of the costuming was made in fur; it was all pl- plastic. And I'm like, yeah, that's a good person to hire for the Flintstones movie. Uh, <laughs> so. That gives you an idea how bad the movie is. I'm going to guess 32% without looking. What do you got? I'm gonna Anyone go else with, want to take a guess? I'm going to go with 28. Ooh, okay. Jake? I, 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 I saw that. I'm like reading the critics' consensus on it, and it's just killing me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's 22%. Wow. And 24. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah. We were both went over. What was the, what was the audience? Uh, 24 Oh my god, the audience loves everything. I mean, <laughs> audiences will give a positive score to just about any piece of crap, but even they realized the Flintstones was terrible. Wow. Terrible. That's like one of Rick Moranis' last movies, too. Right. That's pretty bad right. that those were his last ones. Yeah, because... Flintstones wastes beloved source material and imaginative production design on a tippid script that plunks Bedrock's favorite family into a cynical story awash with lame puns. Oh, man, that almost sells me on it. Uh, (laughs) A whole bunch of terrible puns. I might be in. (laughs) And a great cast, too. (laughs) Yeah, it was John Goodman. This is without looking. I have not opened it, I swear. John Goodman, Rick Moranis, uh, Rosie O'Donnell, and I cannot remember who played Betty. I mean, I know Rose O'Donnell played Betty. Um, Wilma. I have no idea who played Wilma. So Elizabeth Perkins. Ooh, that hurts. That that one hurts. Now that you say it, I remember that. Also, Kyle MacLachlan. Like, oh, okay. So dang, and this this movie sucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there is definitely uh, some movies where you can look at cast lists and be like, "Wow, I have uh, no idea how that happened." What is? It? I remember I saw Bruce Campbell speak. And he was talking about every terrible movie he's been in. And he goes, okay, I'm going to give you an Academy Award winning screenwriter. It's going to be based on a best-selling book. It's going to star, you know, this person and this person. And he goes this whole thing and he's just like, congratulations, you just made Congo. (laughs) (laughs) I think think, uh, Attack of the Clones is my favorite for this. Because that's just... That cast is like star stud, and then you watch the movie, it's like just the worst movie I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, Attack of the Clones is a movie so bad that I almost walked out of it. Uh, and, and not like in protest, this wasn't like, like you're ruining my childhood. <laughs> it was more just like, this is terrible. I, I don't think I can bear much more of this film. Oh, God, yeah. That's. They made Samuel L. Jackson boring. How do you do that? <laughs> 
I mean, that should be criminal, right? Christopher Lee is like one note, and it's like, oh. <laughs> yeah, Christopher Lee was in a metal band. <laughs> <laughs> At like 80. <laughs> mm. So this is what happens when LSU sports gets canceled. We start, you know, digging the depths of terrible movies from the 90s and we talk Flintstones vitamins. <laughs> oh, I have one. Hold on. Well, let's try and buy some more time here. <laughs> I, watched about, <laughs> I watched about 15 minutes of The Saint uh, maybe two nights ago. Val Kilmer or Val the original yeah. Roger Moore thing? What's her face? Adventures in Babysitting. No, um, Val Kilmer. No, no, Val Kilmer. Uh, Elizabeth Shue. Is, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Classic. Justin. Oh, terrible. I couldn't. Within 15 minutes, I was like, nah, I'm good. <laughs> it's bad. It's, it's also, it, but it actually, it kind of does honor the source material with Roger Moore, yeah. which is also terrible. But, you know, starring a guy who knew it was terrible because that's what Roger Moore does. <laughs> <laughs> You, you really need to watch it all the way through, Seth, just to give it its due, because no. it, 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 there's a point where it becomes so bad, you're kind of like, <laughs> I, I'm actually being entertained by the awfulness now, and I have I have to conclude my watching of it. So, Yeah, that's how I feel about Hudson Hawk. Yeah. I, I, I think Hudson Hawk is a genuinely entertaining movie, because everyone in it knows it's camp. Mm-hmm. So I actually think it kind of carries it through. Uh, the Saint Val Kilmer doesn't understand camp. He, he <laughs> you know, he think I, I think he thinks Real Genius was a serious movie. <laughs> <laughs> hey, tread lightly with Val. I mean, he was Doc Holliday. So he was. I actually do like Val Kilmer, but I, you know, oh, hey, I I like Top Secret as much as the next guy. So I am not going to throw stones in that direction. Now, once again, everyone who is under 40 is like, Tom. Yeah, I'm saying, me and Jake are practically Googling these movies. <laughs> total total <laughs> crickets. Like, what? I, I, but, did, yeah. I did get the Tombstone one, but... <laughs> but yeah, Tombstone. I mean, come on. That's uh, starring Kurt Russell and his mustache. <laughs> <laughs> Which is something I would recommend watching on your coronavirus break. Oh, Absolutely. You got Sam Elliott in it too. Oh, that, just, ca- that cast is that cast is insane. Oh, that is powers good. Everyone, it's just everybody. Yeah. Michael B. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, just uh, and also I love a good western. I'm not, you know, the western gets a bad rap. I'm a huge fan of it. It's basically dudes in dust shooting each other. That's that's that, every western. That was probably like the last great western until uh, the True Grit reboot came along. Yeah, um, I think that's right. I mean, I, I'd like the um, Last Train to Yuma reboot as well, but yeah. I can't remember. Yeah, that was all right. You know, it, it had its moments. So, but yeah, let's at least sum up a little bit. The end of the LSU year, not much you can do. SEC officially closed up shop. They were the last conference to give up the ghost. Well, they tried. <laughs> we're not, and you know, I don't blame them. You know, hold on to hope as long as you can, but. It's it's just not going to happen, and they're already saying that they're going to extend the eligibility for all seniors. Now, people have brought the good point of how is that going to work with scholarship caps? I think eventually they're going to have to waive scholarship caps for seniors. I think mm-hmm. that's the only way it's going to work. But they haven't done the same for the winter sports yet, and I don't know if they will. And also, some people are just going to age out of the program anyway so how on a scale of one to ten bummed are you that lsu is missing out on this spring schedule i don't know an eight because things were looking really good in some of the you know non-revenue sports we hadn't really gotten a real taste of baseball yet six seven uh softball was looking really good I hadn't given up up on baseball to turn it around. And they look like they were maybe getting something going there for a bit. And then, yeah. So, I mean, those are the two main ones. I don't, I don't really follow the bas- the basketball team, but that's winter. So, I'd probably, yeah, say seven or so. I have no response. I don't follow. I don't follow anything. I'm really sorry. I know the basketball team was looking good, but I know they were winning games... Um, um, not fluky probably isn't the right word, but it was maybe not a sustainable thing. And that's why they were going to be like an eighth or ninth seed. 
Yeah. Um, I know the, the, the gymnastics team is very good. That's really all I know. Yeah, it looked like the bottom had dropped out on basketball. They, they, they were yeah. cruising a first round. They were cruising for a first round loss is kind of what it looked like. That they had some magic early in the season and they were having problems recapturing it. I think a seven or eight is fair. Um, but man, like if you look at it, the number of national titles that LSU could have added, you have you potentially could have added four from track because both the uh, indoor teams of men and women were ranked number one in the country when the season ended, and you still have the outdoor season to go. Probably weren't going to win all four of those, but winning two would not have been outlandish. Uh, beach volleyball was number one in the country, had just upset UCLA. And then twice in two of, weeks, they'd yeah, upset twice in two weeks, UCLA on the road in, UC, you know, in California. And then you had a couple of friend contenders. Softball was looking great. Um, Jim was going to be a top five team. I, I think they probably topped out at making the final four on the floor just because injuries really took a toll on that team this year. They just couldn't quite get it all together. Uh, and Kennedy Edney just doesn't look right. Doesn't look right. So they probably weren't going to catch Oklahoma. So that one, but they could have had another runner up finish. That was definitely in the cards. And yeah, I agree with Jake on baseball. You, you were looking at that team and, that pitching staff that was so strong. Really if they could have, they that was the kind of team that looked like they were going to get stronger as the year went by. And if they could ever put things together, they're going to get tough out just because that staff was going to keep them in every series. And you're looking at it, you know, if you look at the teams that were number one, plus those other, you know, friend, you could have been looking at potentially three or four national titles on top of the football team, which would have honestly made the greatest year in LSU sports history. And instead, you have football winning the last title in sports history, which is kind of nice. Yeah, that was pretty cool, wasn't it? It was. Yeah, well, that, was, that was fun. It, it was good that they all got paid and they had just all left. So, And now we're looking at it. The big question is, right now we're sitting here mid-March, do you think LSU's college football season kicks off on time? Too early to tell. It yeah. is too early to tell. I, I totally yeah. agree with that. But, like, you, what does your gut tell you? My gut tells me yes. I mean, we're talking about they need to be ready by what? August, right? August 1st, let's say. Yeah, because you need to do, you know, practice. And the first game is September 5th against UTSA. Texas is September 12th in Tiger Stadium. I guess the thing that I can see is, so there's nothing official until whenever summer practice starts in, like I said, August 1st, let's say. Yeah. But if, if you know, we, I don't know exactly how LSU does it, how the big, you know, uh, programs do it. We used to have, you know, kind of phony workouts, you know, quote-unquote illegal stuff that we would do because we were not allowed on the field with the players, but really we did it and we weren't a full team, so we kind of got around the loopholes. You know, the, the NCAA knows that every team is doing this. So I wonder if they're not having that would even cause them to push things back a little bit. Because I think, you know, you're yeah, hoping by August 1st, every, you know, we're, we're, we're coming out of this whole thing and that it'll be okay. You can just start practice. But I do wonder if, if there's so much other kind of stuff behind the scenes that, that we don't see, not even just, you know, the on-the-field stuff that might need to be pushed back. I don't know. Yeah, like how, eh, how much practice do they need? If they give the go-ahead, I don't know, like last week of August, can they just play the first week of September, or do they need? Yeah, to, like, exactly. Do they need to like practice while the coaches and like all the programs push for practice? B, how long can they like push it back if need be? Like, could they play regular season games into December? I know after nine eleven, the regular season, the first week of December, 
which is, I guess, kind of like the closest comparable to something like this. Yeah. Um, so, I like, how long could they push it back if need be? I, I guess cautiously optimistic, yes. Like, I, I think so. But, um, I mean, I don't know, because it's like the NBA was talking about coming back, what, like mid-June or July, but with no fans. And it's like, if you're... To me, if, if if it's not to the point where you can have fans, and I, I don't really, it, to me, it doesn't seem like it's to the point where you should be doing it. Like, I mean, like that that whole thing, that whole thing where we were like, oh, we can just play sports without fans. We quickly realized that was just like trying to hold on to hope, and that's not like a thing you can really do. Um, but that's like, I mean, September's what you know, two and a half months after mid June or so. Well, also, I think there is something to that on the comeback because people, you know, from reading, they say you start expanding your isolation group. Basically it's one thing to hold a basketball game without fans, because we're only talking about, well, if, even if you take the entire league in the NBA, you know, you're talking about, you know, a couple thousand people. And if you start getting them in the same quarantine, you can slowly expand that circle where they could maybe do that without fans. Even putting on a, a basketball game, you're talking, what, 20,000, 30,000 people there. The thing about a football game is we're talking 100,000 people. And that's not counting everyone who comes out and tailgates on the campus. And I, I think that's the really intimidating number. You know, it's like, are they going it, to – it's weird that the first sport that we're even thinking about really coming back is the biggest one, the one with the biggest crowds. Yeah. And that's kind of the worrying part to me. It's like, is the world ready for an 100,000 person event? I think they might be ready for, hey, the NBA will just do its playoffs, but instead of doing a playoff, they'll do like a little tournament and they'll just do it in Madison Square Garden and it'll be like a week and they'll just play each other. This is me just making something up. <clears throat> and it'll be 20,000 people. That's a lot of people, but it's not quite as intimidating as sites all over the country and, you know, every university involved. That's, there's just so many spheres of people you're dealing with then. The other, th- the other thing is, you know, like when it gets warmer, it'll, it'll slow down. Uh, I, don't, I don't know, you know, to what degree, but like the spread of the virus will slow down as it gets warmer. So like once we get June and July. But what happens, like, we don't know what happens when we get to September and October when it starts to get colder again. And so yeah. then, you're, then you're dealing with, you know, it potentially coming back in some form. Probably not, or hopefully not, to the degree it is now, but still potentially to the point where it's not safe to play games. Um, and then so it's like, do you want to start the season if you know that there's a chance, you know, by October you're going to have to postpone games? Yeah, and so it really becomes this really big problem just from the sheer scale of football. It's a different animal because it's not just football, it's college football. So we're talking, I mean, the NFL is 32 teams of, you know, 51 players. College football is 100, I mean, even if we're talking just Division One, you know, it's 130 programs of 85-man rosters, and that's just the scholarships. It's closer to 100. So we're talking about rosters that are twice as big in a league that's, you know, three or four times as large in stadiums that are even, you know, half again as big as the NFL stadiums and also all over the country. You know, it's... I don't know if that's going to be the thing they're going to be able to do first coming out of scale. Like, having events, it's... It seems more logical, like the NBA could come back first and do not, they're not going to do the season or even the playoffs, but they might be able to say, hey, we're going to have a, an event. We're going to, you know, play some games and, you know, we're just going to choose three locations and we're just going to play there. And it can kind of contain it a little bit more. I also think that, like, kind of the darkest timeline, uh, and this is kind of morbid, well, it's very morbid, is if someone, Someone within a sports world, uh, you know, dies because of this thing. Yeah. Like, I think that would push a lot of stuff back. I think people would be, it would really hit people home. I mean, not that it hasn't already. I mean, like, uh, 
you know, there are deaths from this thing. Um, but it feels so, at least in my perspective, uh, nothing close to me has happened mm-hmm. yet. So it's like everything so, it feels so far away, but that's really not, might not be the case in five days, never mind. You know what I mean? So uh, who knows? Yeah, like, I mean, that's the NBA's, I mean, it's what, it's like seven players now over like two or three different teams. Um, I mean, that's... Kevin Durant just came out today. (laughs) Yeah. And, I mean, so that's... I mean, the Premier League, like, they were trying to still go ahead and play, which was ridiculous, but what happened was that a coach got it and then a player got it, and that's... And so, A, when a player gets it, it it highlights... I mean, it's especially different with college because you're dealing with 18- and 19-year-old kids as opposed to, you know, Kevin Durant, who's 30 years old and a, you know, multimillionaire. Um... But it's a it, it, it's a wake up call. It's like poten- holding these things is potentially spreading the virus to the point that someone can get it. Um, and and b it's like okay, well if if one person and this was kind of like what happened with I think to some degree basketball, but then like the Premier League as well was like if one person gets it, well then this team has to stop playing for at least two weeks, and then you know you assume someone and then whoever's going to play them, well then they can't play for two weeks, you know. And so it just kind of, the whole thing just kind of spirals down the hill. Yeah, you look backwards on the schedule. You'll say, okay, well, if he's tested positive now. We have to take a five-day look back. Yeah, so every team they've played and then every team they've played, they've all been potentially exposed. Yeah. Uh, and, 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 I mean, just like, it, it, even let's just say that, like, only one team gets it potentially. domestic in that case. Well, then they're still quarantined for two weeks and they can't play for two weeks. So whoever's playing them is off that week as well, you know. But, but also, we look at the timeline of this. Come August, who wouldn't have been exposed to the virus? That's true. I mean, there comes a point when everybody's been exposed. Yeah. I mean, the whole point of social distancing is not to stop the virus, but to slow its spread. And if it's this contagious, if it's like a, what, a, like a 40% you know, there's a contagion, a contagion rate or something like that, if 40% of the population ends up getting the virus or 40 to 60%, I think was the number that means everyone's exposed because if every other person has it, <laughs> then there's no amount of social distancing is going to help you. You've, you've been exposed. There comes a point where you just kind of max out. Uh, you would think of just the amount of exposure. The question is, when is that? Is that five months down the line or is it a year down the line? I, I mean, and I'm clearly none of us here are doctors. So <clears throat> none of us know, <laughs> But those are the questions that the people in charge have to be asking right now. When is it safe to start doing events? But I don't think the first events are going to be something as big as college football. It's just too massive a scale. It's got to be something a little bit smaller. I mean, your first you know, public sporting event, that's why I keep going back to the NBA. It's something conti- – it might not be – the season, but they might do a tournament. You know, it might just be a basketball tournament. And, you know, kind of. I mean, I've seen, I've seen though that picture. I mean, Australia aren't they still playing games in Australia? Like they're playing uh, AFL or AFL two or something there. Yeah. So, and I've but I've seen I saw that picture that was floating around Twitter of the like it was like a it was on Fox Sports, but it was like a Taiwanese high school girls volleyball match and they you know they had you know the outbreak hit them hard and they were playing sports you know obviously there was a social distancing going on in terms of the amount of people that were there but you know that's you know this happened a couple of weeks ago so i don't know i yeah there it seems we, august august seems so far away yeah there comes a point we maybe can't it's not around. We can't stay in our homes forever, kind of thing. Yeah, like because do, it comes a point where you guys find it. This is not sports related, but do you guys find it surreal? I mean, this whole thing is surreal. Like uh, that—that's for sure. But just like usually in these crises, there's, you know, like you know, I'm speaking about Montreal, for example. It would be some sort of snowstorm, you know, or we had the ice storm in '98. So it's like you, you kind of like yeah, everyone was 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 isolated in their own homes. Hey, some people without power, 
but you couldn't really go outside. That was the whole point was it was too icy. It was too cold. Like, you know, people were falling, people were, were, were hurting themselves. So you could go outside. Now it's like, well, you, you, you can, like, it's an, it's the, it's like the invisible threat that makes it so surreal. Like, yeah, kind of like, so it's weird. When you have a thing like this, like we'll use nine eleven. when nine eleven happened, yeah, there was some time you spent in your home just watching TV for nine hours because that's all you could do, um, just in shock. But at the same time, people came together. Like, you could do things. Like, there were food drives. Everybody donated blood. You know, you went out, you know, you went to church. You went to, you know, the community something. You know, people did things, and they did them together because there was kind of a rallying of people. And here rallying is the one thing you cannot do yeah well i mean here on on kind of the top of that south korea who handled it basically better than anybody their basketball league has games scheduled at the end of this month after a month hiatus now we're not at what south korea's at but it's not i suppose out of the question that we could get there in the next you know couple months and, I'm, and like, and and the, like, the isolation does work. Like, it it's a it, it works. Uh, it, it does it stop everything completely? No, but it's like the reason everyone's saying it is because like it, it does it does work. It worked in like China, for example. But um, so like it it can slow the spread. So if if we if South Korea did it like perfectly, pretty much, and and no one did it as well as they did. Um, if they can get it to the point where they can have events, you know, after a month, like if we can get there in the next three months, then it's, yeah, I guess it's theoretically feasible by like, you know, August or September that if, if four weeks is, if you do everything right in four weeks is kind of, and of course the U S is a much bigger country. Um, so maybe with the U S it's six or eight weeks, I don't know. Then, yeah, I, I suppose it's, it's possible. Yeah, I would. You would hope it is. It's just. I, I think it's just. There's going to be a trickle before you know. Before there's a stream and a flood of events again. Yeah, and, and that's where you know. How does it look when we start coming back? Is the question, and that's just a question no one knows the answer to yet. And yeah, it, it is really surreal because for me, what's I, I feel really weird about is that my office only has six people in it, and we work in our own. We work in a home. Well, it's like an office home, but it's it's detached. It's just us, and we each have our own office space. So we're still going into work because it's under ten people, and we just sit in our office all day and just don't ever go in anybody else's office. But even that's weird because like my wife and kids are totally isolated at home. I get in my car, then I go sit in an office, and I don't talk to anybody all day, or we yell through the walls, and then I come back home, and even that might be too much exposure. But, you know, we kind of figured we're all, in the, you know, we had all exposed each other anyway beforehand. And, you know, and just wash your hands a ton. But I kind of feel like I'm missing out on the isolation bit because I keep going back and forth. So I don't even feel like I'm, in, in a way, I feel more isolated because I don't feel like I'm in it with everybody because I'm still going to work. Yeah, I've been lucky that I'm working from home and then I'm. I'm kind of done with this job in a, in a week, and I started a new job in April. So I'm kind of in transition, anyway. So it's really just a lot of a lot of modern warfare for the next three weeks for me. Yeah, hey, man, that's awesome. And like, and if I was home, I'd be doing stuff with the kids. I'd be trying to like figure out how to you know teach them. Um, but I, I do feel like there's once again, there's this whole thing of like we're all in this together, and I'm not in this together. I mean, I'm. Not, I'm, I'm literally just going straight from home to work, work to home, never going anywhere else. But it's it's weird. Like, there's no one out. Yeah, I mean, I work retail, and so like no one in a lovely turn of events, no one has like been telling, texting me or telling me what's going on there. So I just looked up now, and apparently I work at Best Buy. So apparently, Best Buy is limiting in-store customers to 10 to 15 at a time and i'm like this is just the dumbest thing like just close the store yeah like like, like and also like what like, am i gonna buy from best buy right now i mean nothing personal but like shopping for electronics is the last thing on my mind right now 
I mean, like a bunch of people were buying like laptops and stuff because they needed it for work or or stuff yeah. for the kids. Because like you know, you're self isolating, which yeah. is fair. But it's like if if the point here is that there's just too many people, then like just if you can't go out to eat, why are why are you why, why are you letting people go out to shop? Yeah, <laughs> like it's just some of it's just like kind of ridiculous. Um, like I'm like for the most part, like states got up to here quickly, and it's like after basically two days of people going out to bars and stuff, they're like, okay, this has got to stop. But yeah, as far as like, cause like I didn't know. So I just looked it up now cause we were mentioning work and I'm like, this just sounds so inane. Just, just close stores. Like, yeah. Like, it's just kind of ridiculous. I work for the almighty billable hour. It does not go away. I mean, and I, you know, I'd be billing from home if I you know have to, I can, you know, I can work from home just as easily, but we're holding on just cause at least, it at least feels nice to step out of your car and be locked in a room in a different place. My wife's firm was doing, they'd split each group into different teams, a white team and a blue team. And so this week would be the white team's time in the office. And if you were on the blue team, you were not supposed to come to the office for any reason whatsoever. And the next week would be the blue team's turn to be in the office. And then uh, earlier this afternoon, as we record, they decided, yeah, everybody just stay home. We're good. Yeah, yeah, that seems like too much. Because the other thing, what I think works for us is that we're not even in an office building. Like, there's no contact at all with anyone else. Because mm. I know people who work in a small office, but they're a small office in a larger complex. Right. We are in a detached office by ourselves. I don't come into contact with another human being. Which... You know, so I'm still isolated. I mean, like, we don't use the common errors anymore. Like, it's... And then, like, if someone has to use the printer, like, you take out a... You know, you take out paper towels and you press the buttons <laughs> through the paper towel kind of stuff. So you don't touch it. And then you go wash your hands when you pick something up off the printer. For, you you know... Because, you know, the paper's just been sitting there. And you might have touched the, you know... You might have touched the copier kind of thing. It is, like, that level of... It's just a weird existence to be in. And I don't know if we can do this as a culture for, you know, two or three more months. I, there's only so much isolation that people can take. Yeah. You know, we are social creatures. We, we need human contact other than, you know, I love my family and I like spending time with them, but I do need to see other people. I think we're going to have a lot more answers by the end of this month. And I think we're going to be more on our way back to normal by the end of April. But I don't necessarily think that translates to mass sports gatherings. Yeah, or, I think or, that's... Or mass theater gatherings, that kind of thing. I, I also think we're going to have a problem with like bars and restaurants. You're always going to have a problem. I mean, I, I think that's going to be a thing for a while. Yeah. But yeah, because... I, it's not just, I know, you know, like Clay Travis had his big rant about the economy. And I hate to agree with Clay Travis about anything, but he does kind of have a point that if you completely tank the economy, then you're going to have a different problem. It doesn't matter that you saved everybody from the virus because then you're going to have people, you know, committing suicide because they don't have a roof over their heads. Right. Or, you know, they'll be homeless and they'll die of exposure kind of stuff. You, you need to keep the economy going. But not even that, just society, the tie. The, top, the more basic level, we need to be. We are bound to one another. Yeah, you know we're, we're you know, and we're all part of these communities and stuff. And you know, online helps. I, I've I have really found you know, Twitter has been helpful just to have binds with people. And you know, this podcast is helpful just because we can talk to one another. But that is not a replacement for. Just, you know, going out and being with, going to the park and being with people. And I, I think that's something that, particularly with once the weather gets really nice, that, that's going to be a hard thing for people not to do. So there's eventually going to have to be some kind of loosening of the restrictions. There might still be, so, like you said, there still be social distancing. But, okay, here are the exceptions just so people can, you know, make eye contact with one another <laughs> and know they're not, you know, the last man. You know, this isn't the Omega Man. That's a 1970s Wait, movie with Charlton Heston. Wow. <laughs> All right, let me look it up. Hold on. Uh, I think, I also think the thing is, like you said, it's not about 
like nobody getting this thing, we were most people are going to get it. So, you know, if we can do this pretty hardcore, you know, distancing thing for two weeks until April 1st, until April 7th, something like that, at least we've, we've, we've done something to, you know, quote unquote, flatten the curve a little bit. And then we can start, like you said, loosening restrictions and stuff. The whole, like, thing of, like, you know, like, I guess, like, to the poor, like, it's, we can, I mean, I think that's why, like, sports, you know, because people are like, why are we, you know, postponed, why are we canceling as post postponing? Because it's like, man, it ain't going to get better in, like, two weeks. Like, if, if you think it's bad enough to cancel now, well, then if you postpone it for two weeks, it's going to get, it's going to be worse. I think the the thing is that, hopefully, because this, this isolation does work, that it's better in two months or to the point where this is not a year long or eight, you know, to the end of the year kind of long sort of problem. Like as far as like, you know, is this going to be better in like, you know, a month? I mean, I don't know, probably not, but it's, well, hopefully by doing all this, we've made it better for, you know, May and maybe June, as opposed to if, you know, we didn't do something, well then, you know, okay, maybe we're all going out now, but like, you won't be in, you know, July and August. That's, you know, kind of the, I think, the general feeling. I mean, and there's still, like, I, I like Towson, where I go to school, was still, like, we expect students to be, you know, hopefully back April 6th. I'm like, that, that's just preposterous. Like, that's, that's not, not going to happen. Yeah, like, that's not. Yeah. There's, no way that's, there's no way that's going to happen. But it's, like, so, I mean, I, I think it's, yeah, I mean, like, it's as far as, you know, like, the next couple, I mean, it's hopefully that if we do this, maybe, I guess, yeah, I, mean, I agree. I don't know how long people can do this. And I don't, I don't even know if people are, like, expecting that this is something that we, I guess, should be doing for two months. But it's, we're kind of at this, I don't know if we're at the peak yet, but it's it's growing every day, you know, sizably the number of cases. So it's, we kind of have to get it now or else, you know, it's going to get really, really bad in the long run. So hopefully if we do this now, then, yeah, we can kind of flatten the curve and is a bit better to yeah like mass sporting events no like that's not going to be happening in three months but there is there's a good decent gap between mass sporting events and everything is closed except for you know like the grocery store yeah and i I think from a sporting standpoint particularly from lsu i do really feel bad for seniors i once again there are bigger things you know we're trying to you know not have people die and that's obviously your top priority, but let, you know, people are selfish and it's okay to be emotional about things you've lost. And I feel sad for, you know, this was their special year. You know, if you're a senior and like, this was your chance to go, like, you know, the softball team was going to go to the, you know, women's college world series. You know, this was a chance they had to play for a title and that's just not going to happen now. And even if they come back different because, other teams are going to be, you know, loading up with their freshmen. And, yeah, it'll be their senior year, but now the junior class will be seniors as well, and it won't quite have the same thing, and it won't quite have the same feel to it. Or, you know, I, you know, like for gymnastics, like they didn't get that senior night where everybody goes and applauds for them. You know, you get the flowers, your parents come down there. And they did something really sweet for them on the Internet, and I thought that was really cool. Like Ruby Harold and her parents, you know, there was a picture through LSU Gym. But they still don't – it's still not the same, and that's sad. I, I think from a human element, that's what I think I miss the most. It's It sucks that LSU didn't get a chance to compete for titles, and it's always good to hang a banner. And look, I like going to games. Like I like the fact that – I don't like the fact that on a weekend I can't sit down and watch the LSU baseball series. That's a real part of my routine, and that can't happen right now. And I get why it can't, but it's still – I, I miss that part of my life, but I think the people I just feel bad for, like the athletes themselves, they don't, particularly in college, they don't get paid. You know, this is a period, a small period of their life. They're going to go off and do other things. Your senior year is special, particularly in those non-revenue sports. And this is a thing that they can never get back. And yes, it's the, the price we're all willing to pay. I'm not in any way trying to say that that is a reason to not cancel the sporting events. Uh, I look at it like this. There, are, I know nothing about biology or epidemi- epidemiology. 
um, <clears throat> guys with impressive degrees who have studied this stuff tell us what to do and we should do it. That's my, that is my entire political thing on that. Like if they say we need to do it, we do it because they know what they're talking about and we don't. But still, that doesn't mean it doesn't suck. Yeah, I mean, I, the the winter sport athletes are the the ones I feel for most because, like, I don't know how it's gonna work except you know with the spring sports. Some of the, some pe- some of them are gonna move on anyway because some of them have had jo- have jobs. Do they have jobs lined up? They're yeah. supposed to start after the season ended. Some of them are gonna go. Some of them are just gonna. I think you mentioned this earlier, poster. They're just gonna. They're done with you know sports because you know they've played it for however long. They're like time to move on for the rest of my life. But there are some of them legitimately who will come back. Like there, I mean, you, you've seen it in like in some sports. Like I work with SB Nation's lacrosse site, and there have been several of those seniors who said, "Yeah, they're already planning to come back." So like some of them will, but but this, the winter sports is the hard one because it's what do you really do when you already played thirty games? The spring sports make sense because. Some of them, what they got to maybe like a third of their season, and that was it. Like that makes sense that when they cancel their if their season started in February, cancel it in March. It makes sense to give them another year, even if you know there's going to be a lot of consequences, a lot of issues with it. But like the winter sports, it's like I know the NCAA said that they were you know looking at what to do, but what to do about it. But it's yeah, I don't know what you do if you know I will wait. I you know mention this. It's we at least played our you know we played 30 games we played our regular season can you really give can you really extend eligibility for those guys when they've already played their season you know like what do you like they only missed the NCAA tournament are you can you really give them eligibility for just the NCAA tournament if they wanted that and even if you did that would they really want to wait an entire year just to potentially play in like one game so those are the ones I feel for most is like the is the winter sports, you know, with basketball or gymnastics, even because it's like you've reached, you've done so much of your season that it's it's kind of hard. As terrible as you feel for them, it's kind of hard to say, well, we'll give them another year when they played most of their year. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. But it, I'm highly critical of the NCAA. They are a terrible organization that I think is built on a sham. But that said, this is one time I'm not going to just throw haymakers at them. They have a really hard job right now, and this is completely outside their field of expertise. And like, it's sort of like why I don't blame the SEC for waiting the longest to close up shop. Sometimes you just hope against hope. And it was okay, because they didn't actually play any games. It's okay to say, hey, maybe we'll come back and, you know, have a track of event in May. And it just, it was clear it wasn't going to happen. There are a lot of questions about how they're going to deal with this. I mean, even something they did right where they say, Hey, all the seniors get eligibility has led to other questions. Okay. How are we going to deal with the scholarships? And they will deal with that, but they are, they literally are in uncharted territory. So this is one of the few times I will say, give the NCAA a break. Like, give them time to figure this out. They do not have to have the answer this week. Yeah, I mean, the the thing with the, the Springs, in terms of, you know, giving them eligibility, like, because we did, a, at College Cross, we did a podcast on it, and we kind of talked about it. We had a lot of people telling us, like, well, a lot of the seniors aren't going to, you know, want to come back, right? as I mentioned a couple minutes ago, you know, like, they're not going to be able to, and it's, or like, here are all these, like, I get all of that, and I there are going to be a bunch of issues and the NCAA is going to have to figure it out, but it's, that was something to me you had to do. Like, I, I just, I don't think there, as much as it's going to create issues, I just don't think you could say, sorry, your season's over or sorry, your career's over. Like, I, yeah. I just, I just didn't it, think that was something. It didn't feel right. Yeah, I agree. It's just, and so like, I, I, so I give them credit. Like, I don't know what they're going to do as like with scholarships, or, you know, especially with, I mean, because when you got sports and scholarships, then you get into incoming freshman classes of, like, do you have to take less freshmen coming out of high school? You know, it affects them, too. It's a massive trickle-down. But it still, I, I give them credit for after a day, basically, even less, saying, yes, you all get eligibility, because that was just the right thing to do. It, no matter the, how difficult it is, it just wasn't right to tell you know, players who played a month of their season or even less that their career was over because it's 
too hard. Like, yeah, it's, it's really, really hard. But sometimes you just got to do the right thing. And the right thing was to extend them another year of eligibility, um, as difficult as that may be. And that's where we are right now. We don't know when we don't know where stuff's coming back. We don't know what you know we're doing with this podcast. We don't know what we're going to do on the site for a while. Uh, I'm trying to do some history articles. I am currently researching 1969 to 1972. So if you have any uh, hot sports opinions uh, about uh, Burt Jones, this is the time. I, I am I'm all in on it right now. Or Pete Maravich. You know, we can also we can also talk Pistol Pete. But yeah, it's you know LSU. It's not just the sporting event. It's not just the players. It's you know everyone who works in that building. And then you know, look, the sports is an advertisement for the university. So it's all the professors. It's everyone. It's the students. And then you have the ecosystem that's you know formed around LSU sports. There's all the writers. There's us. Um, you know, there's the journalists. There's then there's the people who you know make T-shirts and you know, sell all sorts of, you know, bobbleheads and things like that. That whole industry right now is on pause. And that's... Yeah, um, the, the bobblehead industry is really hurting the most. Really hurting. <laughs> really hurting. But you know what I'm saying. It's just like, it's it's everything. It, it, you know, it's, you keep going. It, it's not j- just the sporting event. Everything flows out from that. Heck, it's gambling. Las Vegas is shut down. Yeah, the... Well, the big, you know, I guess debate um, is, you know, all the arena workers and um, things like that. I mean, which thankfully, I mean, it's this is like a good thing with social media. Even teams who have been like, oh, we're not going to pay them have basically like within a day been forced to yeah. be like, actually, we will. Because, I mean, it's, you know, they've just been yelled at so much to the point. Yeah, that- the Canadian hockey teams were kind of the worst on that. Uh- <laughs> Just saying, Calgary Flames, Winnipeg Jets, get your act together. Like that is very rare when the Calgary Flames are making news in Amer- you know, in the United States. And <laughs> normally it's for their. I beer. mean, Benson, uh, Benson almost screwed the pooch too with the Zion thing. So yeah. And and what's great is like the players have really been good about it. Like Zion has said, "Hey, I'm going to pay for the players." Um, I'm, I live in Dallas. We're lucky enough to have Mark Cuban, who has really been out in front of this saying, Hey, I'm going to pay even before it was a question being asked, you know, I'm going to pay everybody. Don't worry about it. But also it's the players have really, you know, voiced solidarity for stadium workers and stuff. So on a professional level, that's really cool. Obviously on the college level, they can't do that. You know, it's not like, uh, because if Jamar Chase came out and said he's going to pay for the vendors, uh, we've got some serious problems. Um, <laughs> the the bag man does not give us that much. <laughs> so yeah, I think what it comes down to is we don't know what's going on, and I think it's okay to not know, and we just admit we don't know anything, and we're fumbling around in the darkness together, and hopefully we don't poke anybody's eye out. First off, that would hurt. And secondly, that violates social distancing. (laughs) But eventually they will play games again. And when they do, I honestly can't wait for that to happen again. I know it can't happen yet, but um, we're all sitting here bored because we're playing a lot of video games and watching terrible, terrible movies. And LSU will be back. It might not be soon. But we're hoping it'll be back in time for the college football season. That would, that would be cool, in my opinion. <laughs> well, speaking of terrible movies and video games, we did get one question for the mailbag this week. <laughs> okay. Our good friend Vinny Bartles wants to know, what are the shows, movies, books, etc. coming off the backlog for quarantine? He says, personally, I have a lot of critical role to catch up on. What you watching, Seth, other than tape? <laughs> oh, man. I'm not even watching tape right now. Uh, I just finished Peaky Blinders. I mean, it's not a movie, but uh, Ooh, yeah. I enjoyed it. Very fun. So, yeah, that's it. I'm watching the F1 documentary, which is uh, also really fun. All right. Jake? I've been trying to like, I guess, just make my way through stuff that was 
I guess good that I just didn't watch like some of the Oscar movies and stuff like that. And I don't have HBO, so that makes some of it a bit hard to find some stuff that I was I was mostly kind of like gonna go back and watch some stuff. But I guess it's kind of always easier to like sort of rewatch stuff you already watched. But yeah, hopefully I'm gonna make my way to some of just more of the good stuff that came out, you know, like in the past year or two that I haven't watched. Yeah, I'm diving through the movie backlog. Um, I just got Uncut Gems, waiting to watch that. It just came in the mail. Um, I like that. Very good. Uh, so looking forward to it. I, I, you know, I've, I've, I've seen the meme, but that's pretty much all I've seen. <laughs> um, I immediately uh, rewatched Firefly, just because, you know, got to go with a Joss Whedon classic. On the new thing, I'm trying to plow through the HBO series. I'm finishing up The Outsider. I'm watching Avenue Five. Um, I like Avenue Five. It's not essential viewing or anything like that. My oh, my wife has got me into Sex Education on uh, Netflix. That's pretty funny. Um, always good to be educated. Yeah, always good to be ex- educated. Um, <laughs> but I really kind of haven't found the show that I'm looking for yet. Like nothing has really spoken to me yet. I'm still kind of fumbling around. Um, I mean, there's lots of like a little stuff. I mean, I still have some, you know, uh, marvelous Miss Maisel to catch up on, but I kind of want like a big project. You know what? I, I've never watched. I've never watched Justified. I think I'm gonna take the plunge. Oh, and, you have to watch Justified. Yeah, like, and I what love Timothy. So I think Justified is the thing that's been sitting on my Netflix queue forever. Well, now it's on Hulu, but uh, I, I think that's gonna be my deep dive. And um, also, like, I've picked up back issues on comics. I've uh, finally gotten into Gidgen Falls, which is great. Uh, I just read the entire series of Grass Kings, which was outstanding. I'm rereading Saga because you should always reread Saga because it's amazing. So, yeah, so going through the back catalog on that as well. Um, but, you know, let's, you know, movies hasn't really hit me. The TV. Yeah, I think Justified is the thing that's sitting there. I think that's like the the biggest name series I haven't watched. So I think that's the one I'm going to do. I could, I could go for Walton Goggins and just about anything. Just yeah, anything. just yeah. anything. Doesn't matter. Just you could put him in anything. I would be. Yeah, he's great. And also, I love Timothy Oliphant. Oh, yeah. oh yeah, great too. Dead, so, Deadwood, love Deadwood. If oh, you I, love, Deadwood. I love Deadwood. Yeah, I don't. I, I, if you're out there and you haven't watched Deadwood and you have like HBO, please watch Deadwood. Yeah, Deadwood. I I think Deadwood is the best HBO series. I know that's a bold claim, but again, I like westerns. So it, it would be my The Wire is always my number one. Yeah, The Wire. After, I after, 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 after that, yeah, after after that I would put Deadwood. I would put Deadwood up there with any of the other ones. The Wire. I'm required to like it the best because of Baltimore. You know, you just can't. If you're from Baltimore, you, you can't go against the wire. Homicide, life on the street. Wire before oh, there was the wire. I'm a huge fan, but also not an HBO show. That's just NBC. Yeah. Are they on Hulu? Um, I don't know. I have the I have the box set on DVD, so I have the entire series. I don't know if it's on Hulu. It They tend to have NBC shows, so maybe. And uh, I'll, I'll have to look that up if... I'm kind of curious if it's streaming anywhere. Now you got me. Let's see. Is it streaming? Um, hey, to shout out to everyone hanging in there while we sit around waiting yeah. for I'm not the only one that has to, you can buy it on Apple and that's it. You, you can't, there's no streaming. So, or you can come to my house and watch the, watch the DVDs. I think that, I think that violates social distancing. Yeah, it does. So never mind. So you can't come to my house and watch it. So, Hey, my wife and I watched uh, Ford versus Ferrari over the weekend. So if you haven't seen that, that's a great flick to, to catch up on. But I think you have to go like buy a, disc or something or do a digital purchase i don't think it's streaming anywhere yet yeah that's one of the few from last year i have not seen so but i know a lot of people have seen it and they have all liked it so yeah that's a good endorsement 
Well, uh, I recommend the 1997 spy classic, The Saint. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm reading a book right now called The Dark Continent. It's a, it's a fiction uh, by Scott Reardon. And it's probably not the best book to be reading in the middle of a pandemic just because there's a big breakdown <laughs> of civil society element to it. But uh, it's really it's a really good thriller. I'm really enjoying it. I'm looking forward to reading more of it as soon as I get off uh, the air with you guys. Well, there you go. And let us not keep you from that. <laughs> so with that, I bid you all adieu. And hopefully we'll be able to say go Tigers in the near future. Should be rock